Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Today's session, we are with Rob Moore. How you doing, bro? You cool? Yeah, all good, Ed. All good, thank you. In today's session, we're going to be covering my my top questions. Okay, we're going to be talking about Rob's book, which is called Opportunity. He's going to be telling us where we can get our access to it. So there's some killer bonuses available. And I'm going to be taking you through my my questions, Rob, and you're going to be you're going to be scoring them. Um, I don't want to brag, but I've had someone called the podcast king rate them ten out of ten. So I'd be interested to see what your view on these questions are. But for those that haven't um, heard of you before, let's start with an intro into you, Rob, and tell tell the audience um, how amazing you are, what you do, and just an all round legend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so my name's Rob Moore. I have a brand called The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which is trademarked. And we've had the podcast, The Disruptive Entrepreneur, for five years and three months, approaching 650 episodes. Recent guest was Floyd Mayweather. Next guest is Ben Francis, founder of Gymshark. So we get some pretty special guests, 15 billionaires, I think we've had now on the show. I started 15 years ago uh, building a property company called Progressive Property. Started buying my own properties, then sourcing for other people, and then write, wrote a book called Property Investing Secrets, which did well back in 2008. And then fast forward, we built that to be the UK's largest property training company. We're developing 142 units right now, Ed, in our town centre in Peterborough, which when done, we'll give our property management and property portfolio company just under a thousand units in it. Um, so property investing backs everything else that we do. I've written 17 books, which are live money and life leverage, probably my two best known. And then we have opportunity coming out, you know, as we speak, it's actually in pre-launch. So pe people can get copies from now. Uh, I built uh, a personal development and business training company called Progressive Success. I actually bought a failing promotion company in 2008 for just a few thousand pounds, 5,000 pounds. We turned that round to be at 11 million. It's best year was in 2016. Uh, and I have a foundation called the Rob Moore Foundation to help young and underprivileged people start meaningful businesses that change the world. Yeah, other stuff. Um, I'm a dad, uh, pro probably quite rusty now, but a pilot can fly a helicopter. Um, and I love just helping people start and scale their business. Like if you were to say, what's my personal vision? What's the reason I'm here? It is to help as many people start and scale their business across the globe. Um, I broke the world record for the longest public speech. I won recently International Man of the Year, voted by um, Global Woman, which was great. That, that's my best accolade 
after winning Face of Peterborough in 1999. <laughs> Not quite the same. And I've got Ed Smith as one of my best mates. Woo-hoo! So that's, yeah. Woohoo! Mate, I like that. There's some bits I've probably missed, but who cares? <laughs> what, why do you think people should start a business though today? Um, I think if you want control of your own financial future, you need to be an entrepreneur and start your own business. I think if you want to avoid paying all the tax to the government first before you get your bit, I think you should start a business. I think if you want to make a meaningful difference without all the friction and the bureaucracy and the politics and the red tape, you should start your own business. I think if you want to be in control of your scale, if you want to be around inspiring people, if you want always the next level of growth to be under your control and take full and personal responsibility, I think you should start a business. What do you think is going to happen off the back of like filming this right now? We're, we're coming into lockdown over in possibly two months or so. What, 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 what do you view the economy as doing? Wow. That, I mean, anyone who reckons they know what's going to happen is either pulling the strings of the prime minister or is, you know, their egos inflated about what they know. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I thought property prices would correct and drop. And they haven't yet. I think they will. But when I do not know, I was quite surprised at the buoyancy of the property market. But bearing in mind, there was virtually no supply of sales. Um, I think retail's obviously been hit hard and it's going to get hit harder. What will that do to the economy? I don't know. All this printing of money you'd have thought would increase inflation, but then there's other measures maybe that they're putting in place to control that. I think on the downside, traditional businesses, brick and mortar businesses, local businesses, they've probably got hurt and the government need to protect them and furloughing, et cetera, helped, but they need to probably do more. But then online businesses and globally scalable businesses and information and service-based businesses they could probably be on the rise. You know, Ed, I think you believe the same thing here. There is no good, there is no bad, there is no right, there is no wrong. And in if you go at a, a macro view of humanity, someone wins, someone losses, someone goes bust, someone thrives. So this, you know, in recessions, it's not like money disappears, it's just it moves to different places. So um, I think the NFTs and the cryptos are on the rise. I think that the social media platforms that connect us on a deep level are on the rise like Clubhouse because it's probably quite a lot of loneliness and isolation because of lockdown. Hopefully, when this all ends, businesses, restaurants, local businesses, hopefully they'll have a surge in business because everyone will go out and use the products and services again. Can imagine, you know, after lockdown, if you manufacture condoms, you're going to be thriving, I would have thought. (laughs) Or, Or... Or you're going to be going bareback. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So do you think there's a lot of opportunity wide wide open right now? Yeah, I think that um, as long as you are agile, as long as you are finding out what your new problems and pains are for your customers, as long as you're good at lead generation and customer acquisition and you're active on social media and you're hanging out where your prospective clients are and you know what they need and want and you build it fast, then I think there's massive opportunity, new opportunity. Like I'll give you an example, Ed, when the lockdown happened, um, when when like we knew it was going to happen after the initial delusion, uh, it was quite a fearful time for us because we were running 850 training days a year. Mm. And whilst we didn't have to hire hotels because we have our own training facility, that still has a big overhead. 
um, you came into one of the buildings that I own when, um, you know, when we did the podcast last time. And so that real threat of significant drop in cash flow and burning cash was there. But that forced us to pivot into online events, online summits, and to scale from low, uh, national to global. That's something I'd wanted to do for years, Ed, but didn't do because business was probably too good and too comfortable. Probably didn't want the disruption, but we did it and we're much better off for it. I mean, did you plan the launch of this at the end? I mean, <laughs> talk about perfect sort of timing, right? <laughs> at the end of lockdown, launch your book opportunity. I mean, that is awesome, right? Did you plan no, that? No, I didn't. I didn't. I'd love to say I'm that much of a strategic thinker. But my um, my publisher emailed me out of the blue four and a half weeks out and said, oh, we've got the launch date. It's the 25th of March. So go and sell a load of pre-order copies, please. Like, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, no, we didn't plan that. And actually, we, we agreed on writing the book before the lockdown happened. And the reason I wrote a book called Opportunity was because my publisher wanted me to write a personal development book. And he actually wanted me to write one called Mindset. But Carol Dweck had written that very popular book called mm -hmm. Mindset, and I didn't want to be a in other mindset book. And I certainly don't want to have the same title as someone who's been there before me because that's not innovative. That's not original. And he was really trying. He won't mind me saying this, but he you know, was really trying to encourage me to write a personal development book. But I, I feel like that's a future book for me once I've written a few more books. And so we sort of negotiated out on opportunity because I thought, what could be now, but what could be tomorrow? So in 100 years, will a book called Opportunity still be relevant? Yes. Mm. But is it also relevant today? Yes. So I wanted something that combined the now and the future. Um, but no, it was just happenstance and fortune uh, that we get to launch it when we're starting to come out of lockdown. So, you know, yeah, hopefully... People take the opportunity to buy my book opportunity to take more of their opportunities now that the world is changing and there are more opportunities. <laughs> but what, why should, tell us in more detail, why, why should we read it? Okay, well, um, I guess because I've written 17 books already and been a successful author, so you can hopefully feel trust that I'm credible to write a good book. Because let's be honest, to read a book is going to take you a few hours of your time and it's an investment of time. So you're going to want to know it's a solid book. So that would be reason number one. Uh, the book's called Opportunity, Seize the Day, Win at Life. Uh, and so the first half of the book is all about A, spotting opportunities that are always there, but you don't see them. B, once you start spotting them, know how to assess if it's a good opportunity or something you should say no to. And then the strength of the opportunity, because um, I used to believe there were no opportunities and then occasionally some found their way to me by luck. But if you believe in the unified field and if you believe in, you know, the universe being this quantum of time where future, past and present are all actually in the now, uh, that's, I don't go into that in the book, by the way. It's not a sciencey book like that. But I, I, tend to believe that that could be a reality. And therefore, there's an infinite amount of opportunities that are there in every nanosecond of every day. But um, they don't manifest to us until we either go out and find them or we let go and have them come to us through um, manifestation and attraction or action. And there's two different ways, essentially, of attracting those opportunities. 
So how do you um, go and get or manifest the infinite amount of opportunities that are there in the present reality and then assess them and then organize them and then implement them and then leverage them and then scale them and know how to say no to which ones and maybe partner up or um, give other opportunities to other people. The second half of the book is about seizing the day because I believe you win at life by winning more days than you lose. Mm -hmm. So um, winning at life is just too big, but seizing the day and implementing in the here and the now, the things that you've got to do to compound, to have a productive day, more of those than not will lead you to a better life. And so as the book gets towards the end, it's practical and tactical on getting more things done and assessing opportunities and prioritizing and getting rid of overwhelm and what seizing the day means and what winning at life means. Where, where can people get it, Rob? Uh, Amazon, uh, if you just want to go direct, but I wouldn't advise that. Here's why. Um, because I've set up a page called robmore.com forward slash opportunity. And I have gone to town, Ed. I have gone to town on the bonuses. Uh, in, in a way, Ed, I've caused my own problem. Because I've written 17 books, I've had to make my bonus offers better and better and better. So for two books, you can basically, you know, spend a night in a five-star hotel with me and do it. No, you can't. No. <laughs> but I've had to give bigger and better bonuses as I've launched books. So, Ed, you were kind enough to donate um, a, an amazing course of yours. And that's not for everyone. You need to buy a bulk for that because that's obviously a valuable course. Um, but I've got, um, in fact, why don't I get them up and I'll just quickly, it won't take me long, I'll yeah, quickly good. talk talk you through them let me get a um, stack is so. important to understand as well we you know we get a lot of coaches consultants authors they all want to they all want to put a book together they will like yeah you see that. your fans will buy your book anyway but now i'm i've scaled more globally ed as you have through clubhouse you know let's say you might sell five or ten thousand on a day from your fans or whatever number but what's going to make people who don't know you buy them or people who've just heard about it. And I think it's the bonus offerings that will push those people over the line. Mm. So if you get one copy, I'm doing a four hour money and marketing mastermind on Zoom for 40 people, that's first 40. I'm doing a Clubhouse Secrets Masterclass. I've got nearly 200,000 followers in 70 something days. And then Shah's given a digital product creation masterclass, Shah Wasmond, Daniel Priestley, a, a Get Leads Masterclass. Paul Mahani's done a money management for kids course and Ryan Pinnick a discover your life purpose and genius three day course. All of that for just one book. That's crazy. If you get five, the first 20, get a 15 minute personal one-to-one -one call with me. I can only do 20 of those because of time. Also, we've got an, an income opportunity summit, which I think is going to be amazing. And a how to grow a fully online, globally scalable business course. But then Ed, they get sexier and sexier. If you get 50, I'll post you on all my stories. It reaches like 300,000 people. I'll promote you to one of my email databases. That's 25,000 people um, and, and various other courses. If you get 100, then you can interview me and I'll live stream it out to 300,000 people. I'll go do a half an hour one-to-one -one consultation with you. Ed, that's where they can get your amazing course. And for half a day, five people can shadow me in my business. Cool. If you get 500 then you will be a guest on The Disruptive Entrepreneur, 850,000 downloads and views a month. You get a one-hour consultation with me. You get a send 
to my 100,000 database in one of my companies. You get six promotions in my big Facebook groups and you get a 30 minute content slot on one of my stages. So, woo! Let's go check it out. Say the, say the, the page again. Robmore.com forward slash opportunity. Take your opportunity. That one's just manifested from the universe. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in the links below as well. That's awesome, dude. What, 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 what was the, the best thing about writing it? Um, the, the best thing about writing a book is always finishing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> a book is a labor of love for me. It's hard. And, and actually, it's rewarding to finish. Um, the worst thing was recording the Audible. I hate it and I find it really hard. I did do two or three ad lib chapters in the Audible version, and that was fun and funky. So the Audible version's probably got 20% more content in it or different content, and it's a bit more conversational. And on launch day, you can also get the Audible version. It launches on the same day, so you can do that too if you like audio, which a lot of people do. This was the first book, actually. I've written all the books myself, my fair hands, but this one is my first full book where I've worked with a ghostwriter. And so if anyone's listened to any of my books, I'd love their feedback on if you can sense mm. a different voice. I, I think you'll find it's better written technically. I think you'll find the flow is likely better. Mm. On the downside, it's probably, I don't know, a bit less ranty because I'm ranty and I write like I speak. And actually some people are probably like that. Finally, Rob is shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, you may, and, and by the way, if you don't notice any stylistic difference, it means my ghostwriter is awesome. Um, but I'm testing four books, writing with my ghostwriter. And then when we've done all them, I'm going to look at the sales and the feedback and see, do they prefer it when I write it, which is a bit more ranty and as I speak and chaotic, and then it's a bit more professional with the ghostwriter. So just explain that process so that, that people, that they, they love that question. Um, is this like you speaking it and then what is that yeah. process? Yeah. So I, I would voice memo on WhatsApp. Bless you. Oh, that was an internal. <laughs> that was. Yeah. Okay, that one yeah you've just got a hernia now. <laughs> Better yeah. out than in it. Never hold it in. Um, edit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would. I mean, I created the initial chapters and content crowdsourced through my work over the years. You know, there are people that write research projects. I respect someone who can do that. But I also think there's a lot of credibility in you writing about what you've done your whole life and what you live your whole life and what you write about your whole life. So every one of the books I've written, it's been what I've lived and breathed and done and written about. And it's, been, and it's flowed through my content for months or years. And then I collate all of that and then I send it. And then I uh, do a load of voice memos on expanding bits and then instructions on research. And then she writes and comes back with a load of questions and then I voice memo it. And then she comes back with a load of questions and then I voice memo it. You know, so um, essentially voice transcribing the content from the initial plan. Now, if you start from a blank canvas, it's kind of hard. But if you start from what well, I've been writing book, uh, blogs on creating opportunity for years. So my book Money was a 10 year research project on um, understanding money and studying it and studying the, the wealthiest people in the world and reading all the autobiographies and getting mentors, but also getting out of 50 grand's worth of debt, becoming a millionaire by age 31, a decamillionaire, and then on from there. So it's easier when you've been living it and breathing it already for 
a few years because you, a lot of the content is there. You've just got to collate it. No. Do, do you think that was easier? Did you find it easier than writing itself? So sometimes you'd think when you've got a lot of the content there, it would be easier. Mm. But then when you read it, sometimes it's harder to edit existing stuff than it is to just start from a blank canvas. Mm. So I'd say it's different. Um, I mean, it's been less of my own work. But, you know, really, I only ever judge my work, Ed. I mean, I know I should judge it based on how I feel about it. But actually, I judge it based on how my communities and readers and fans, list, you know, judge it. You know, would I rather write a book that I'm not really that keen on, but my fans love, or a book I love and my fans aren't keen on? I'd actually rather write a book I'm not that keen on, but my fans love. Mm. Because that's who it's for. Mm. So the, we, time will tell. In terms of time-wise, did, did it, was it quicker? Yes. To write the thing, it was quicker. Because How? my ghostwriter's full-time job is to write the thing. And if, if they're getting paid for deadlines, they'll meet deadlines. If you're not getting paid for deadlines, you'll miss them. So how long, how, how long, so are we having a comparison of you writing it versus them writing it? I'd say the quickest I've written a book is a few weeks. The longest I've written a book is 18 months. And that was money. The original manuscript was a quarter of a million words, so it was a big project. And I would say all in three to four months with the um, with my ghostwriter. Okay, one more question, and then I'm doing quick fire round on you. Um, oh, it just popped out when you just did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it? Hey. <laughs> it was something to do with the book. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll have to go to quick fire. It'll come up. What my what I wanted to ask there. Ah, oh, yes. Damn you. Um, how do you do two books at one time? Um, well, you compartmentalize time on one book and then compartmentalize time on another book. How do you do sales calls and marketing strategy at one time by compartmentalizing the time in the day the actual answer is you can't write both books at the same time because you can't do any two things at the same time unless you're walking and listening to audio there are some things you can do but actually proper deep dive thoughtful tasks you can only do that one thing so i spend a bit of time on increasing your fees with ease and i spend a bit of time on recurring income and then i get my ghostwriter to write uh the rewrite of Life leverage because my publisher wants me to do an updated version of that. Yeah. Mm. So just splitting. Would I mean? Do you even do it on the same days? Do you find that that conflicts with your thinking? Not necessarily, as long as you're not jumping. Because if you're mm. jumping from one to the other, that task jumping is dead time, wasted time. Mm. You, know, you want to get in flow state and stay in there as long as possible. But yeah, I mean, I have a lot of tasks on. I kind of get um. You know, we were talking to Grant, weren't we, Grant Cardone, about overwhelm. Well, I'm more like him. I like having a shitload on. I like being in the game. I, I like, and, and, you know, occasionally you get a bit overwhelmed because there's too much, but I'd rather have a bit too much to do than not quite enough to do. 
So give me the choice of one or the other. I'll take both. <laughs> okay, quick fire. You can't be too long on these, right? And I'm conscious of your time as well. What is the best question you've been asked? I don't know. Nice. Could it be that? <laughs> <laughs> what is something that people misunderstand about you? That I'm just, you know, someone who's interested in growing a business and doing sales and doing marketing rather than actually how much I care for people and help people behind the scenes on a daily basis. Mm. You're very caring though. You can tell that. Just, just, just pop into a clubhouse room for a minute and you can get that. Tell me about a client that touched your heart. Well, I've had a few clients that have said um, what I've done for them has stopped them from suicide or, you know, through lockdown, when people are at their lowest point, my content helped them through the darkest, loneliest times. One chap's been diagnosed with terminal cancer and I've decided to help him. I had a couple of chats on the phone with him. I'm going to call him again. Nice. What's the one thing about like your, your, your books that you that did something for someone that you didn't expect? Well, quite a lot of famous people read or listen to my books and I never expected that. It's difficult, Ed, because there's so many messages. You know, I have to have a lot of filters in place. So PAVA, probably get hundreds of messages a day. So I do save the ones I get on my phone. I'd have to go back through my phone, but it always surprises me how many famous people read my books. Best tip for making the world a better place? Help one person every day. The hope movement, help one person every day. As much as I think it's great to change the world, I think that one person at a time actually makes a great difference. And you can do that no matter how big or small you are. And if you haven't got a massive following. So Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day, I did about 35 calls to either random people in my community or people who reached out who were lonely and just called them up and had a chat. And... Um, I felt good. Help one person every day. Nice. Best compliment you've ever received? That was bigger than I thought. Best compliment I've ever received. Um, Anything to do with helping people, those compliments make me feel the best. When people notice those things. Mm. Yeah. No, no barriers. Everything's removed time, money. What project do you develop to impact the world? I'd probably keep going all in on Clubhouse and see where it could go because I think that's an amazing way to reach the masses in a very connected and personal way. And then the project through that would probably be my foundation, the Rob Moore Foundation, to help as many young and underprivileged people start meaningful businesses that change the world. What do your parents describe what you do for a living? What do they say? 
my dad a couple of times in the last decade has said, son, I'm proud of you. And that's definitely got to be right up there because that's not the sort of thing my dad says. He's, you know, 76-year-old man from the north of England. So that's probably linked to a couple of questions you've just asked, but that I would definitely savour those moments. Um, my mum and dad think I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. And, and I like that as my identity because I feel like entrepreneurs are changing the world, solving the world's greatest problems. Dinner, three guests, who are you inviting? Those people can be alive. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Vivienne Westwood, and the Dalai Lama. Nice. Those three people are dead. Who are you inviting? Alexander McQueen, Michael Jackson, Muhammad Ali. Nice. 18-year-old self, what do you tell yourself? Stop drinking and other things that you're trying to do but not being very successful at. <laughs> and start your business. You're not too young. Start now. Get perfect later. That's a good book. <laughs> what should I what should I have asked you that I didn't know enough to ask you I've been asked that a few times I can never answer that question I don't know why I, I think of it like what 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 do you what I think of it like like what do you think someone should ask you in terms of but they they don't have the information or the you know, a, a different question to what you've been asked many times before sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I understand the question, but I don't understand how to answer it because, I mean, you know, everything is as it should be. Mm. No, you know, so I asked Dr. John Martini on one of my podcasts, what's one thing wrong with the world that you'd like to change? And he paused for 10 seconds and went, there's nothing wrong with the world. Mm. Everything is perfectly balanced and as it should be. So the fact that I couldn't answer your question about the best question I've been asked, that was what the answer should be. Mm. Sometimes I ask my guests, what's the worst advice you've ever received? And sometimes they can't answer them. And that's an answer in and of itself, isn't it? Mm. So... I clearly haven't remembered a question that's got that's flawed me, which means considering I've been interviewed hundreds of times, that means my interviewers need to up their game. <laughs> also, you've asked me two or three times things that have linked to my customers and communities and fans. And I think the reason no stories stick out is because I get thousands of messages, but it's also made me think I should find out more how I've changed the lives of my clients. And I should probably have some of those stories to hand. So that's one thing I've learned from you doing this interview, Ed. But no, you shouldn't have asked me anything other than what you have. How about this? Can you explain the one to, how, do, how does the one to many, you know, Dr. John Martini talks about it a lot. Can you- One to many, many to one. Yeah. How, how can you, how, what context does that make sense to you? The way, I, the way that makes sense to me the most is in my vision. So my vision is to help as many people on this planet start and scale their business and get a better financial education. 
And so going from local to national to intercontinental to global to intergalactic, the continued one to many concept. Um, and the fact that when people say, oh, growth, you know, when does it ever end? It doesn't ever end. Hmm. Because otherwise humanity, if growth would end, humanity would end, wouldn't it? Because if you don't grow, you decay. So that would be, I guess, how I would utilize that interpretation or that law and use it in my life. But at some point, it's all going to come back to me and dying. Many back to one. <laughs> Most important thing you've learned and why? Kindness. You know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're focused on the growth and the vision, it's easy to forget that kindness is everything. And I find the two times when I'm least kind or not as kind as I'd like to hold myself to be are when I'm too busy or I'm in personal pain. So, you know, the saying, it hurt people, hurt people. Well, I believe the more pain you're in, the more selfish you are. And I've been there. And that's a human thing. I think you have to be to focus on getting rid of the pain. So the, the less pain you're in, the more selfless you are. The more pain you're in, the more selfish you are. So don't get too overwhelmed to care and think about people. And don't get um, don't sort your own pain out so that you're not so selfish. And, you know, people expect me to te be teaching my kids about business and money from like age zero. And I'm teaching them stuff. But if you said to me, what one thing you're teaching your kids above everyone else, above everything else, bearing in mind, I've written a book that sold more copies on the subject of money than anyone in the UK, according to my publisher, I'd say kindness. Mm. And you sent me a lovely picture, Ed. <laughs> so you sent me this, the UK Mod Squad picture, <laughs> and you sent me this lovely handwritten letter. As you can see, I've kept. <laughs> and those things matter. People will not remember, you know, how much money you made or your own accolades. They'll remember how you made them feel and the little things you did for them. And don't ever be too busy or too overwhelmed or too much in pain. That would be the one thing. The greatest life lesson. That's why I'd want the Dalai Lama in with Arnie. And I mean, Vivian Westwood's just mad and she'd be so fun. And Arnie is just so multi-successful and he's cool and fun and grateful. But the Dalai Lama is just, he's just the kindness guy, the compassion guy. And I, I want to strive to be more, more of that. I like that, bro. That's amazing. Well, thanks for being here, Rob Moore. Tell them where, one more time, I've got one more question we end up with with less than a minute. So tell them one more time where to go to to get opportunity. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited to be to be helping you and I'm excited to read it. I think I've pretty much read most of yours now. I think there's a couple that are the property ones I need to smash out probably. But yeah, <laughs> tell, them, tell them where to get it from one more time. Rob Moore. M -O -O -R -E, my name, forward, .com forward slash opportunity, as in the name of the book, robmore.com forward slash opportunity. And then you can find me on any of the socials searching that in. I'm, I'm pretty 
searchable online. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Last question, meaning for life. Go for it. Minute. The meaning of life, I think, is to grow, to contribute, to solve meaningful problems, to inspire and lead and serve others, to create, something along those lines. I love you, dude. You Guys, too, Ed. Go check out Rob's book. Go get it. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss the opportunity.